your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Daryl Belfry. Daryl, what's going on, man? I'm excited to be back. Another defenseman. Let's go. Look at us. A couple a couple here in the past couple of weeks. Good. They deserve some love, too. Uh, last week, funny enough, we did one of the oldest stars in the league with our Sidney Crosby deep dive, and that was a really fun one. A lot of rich text there. This week, though, we're going to the complete opposite extreme, and we're going to do one of the youngest emerging stars in the NHL, Shimon Nemitz. And quite frankly, first off, I think we need the palate cleanser, considering how frustrating this devil season has been generally. And I feel like every conversation I've been having about them recently on the show has been uh, frustrating and has kind of reflected that to date. So I think this will be nice because I think it'll be much more uplifting and encouraging looking looking forward to the future and describing this young player's performance this season. But also I think it makes for a great topic for us regardless of that because I just love chatting about these young defensemen with you. I think the intricacies of what they're doing individually within the team structure um, and all of that makes for really important analysis, right? I think it really gets you thinking about where we're at right now with the sport, like how much it's changing, how much room there still is for evolution, I think, and how the job requirements of that position sort of exemplify that, right? And I think Nemitz is all of those things. Like he just turned 20 a couple of weeks ago. He's playing a big role on this Devils team that already plays a bit more of a, a modern style than most teams. And you get to see all of those qualities and traits that we constantly keep harping on when you watch this player's tape. So I think that's why he's he's such a fun subject for us here today. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that he is what I would consider to be like that next wave or this, 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 he represents this next wave of the types of defensemen that we are going to continue to see more and more of. And I think his skill set uh, lends itself to some great discussion about how to develop D in terms of moving in this direction and what's really expected of defensemen, I think now more than what it was before. So that's why I was, when you brought his name up, I got really excited because those types of discussions I think are really interesting to have as well, because the demands of the position of defense is different now and the types of skill sets that you have to have. And this kid Nimitz, he he has a lot of those skills, and, and so it'll be a really cool discussion. Well, not only did he turn 20 recently, so he played a bunch of the season still as a teenager, but last year was his first season in North America. And while he did get the benefit of playing remarkably three years of pro hockey in Slovakia leading up to his draft class in 2022, there's still, I think we'd all agree, a massive talent gap, and it's very evident between that pro league and jumping into the NHL, particularly since... Unlike a Brock Faber last year, even his teammate Luke Hughes, he didn't get any reps last year playing meaningful games with the Devils down the stretch, right? He spent his full season in the AHL. And so for those guys, I think they kind of got to see what it was like, particularly in the postseason. And I imagine that helps sort of inform a lot of your training then in the following offseason because you sort of know what to expect. You've got a baseline for it. For him, he sort of had to start this season again in Utica and then just jump in in the middle of the season after the Dougie Hamilton injury. And so I kind of wanted to note that because I think it's very important context for evaluating his play and the degree of difficulty in what he's done. And since making his debut, Daryl, he leads this Devils team with 17 five-on-five minutes per game. So they're leaning on him quite heavily. And now he's playing on kind of their de facto shutdown pair with Jonas Siegenthaler since he returned. And in those minutes, the Devils control 52% of the shots, 54% of the chances, 56.7% of the expected goals. 
and he's really helping drive positive results and make an impact for this team. And so let's get into it. What now that I've provided kind of that base layer of context, what really sticks out to you when you watch him? What do you think is the first sort of trait that he exhibits that helps inform us, I guess, of how he's driving those results? Well, to me, you have to you have to look at his ability to defend. That's really what where you have to go. You cannot play in the National Hockey League and drive those results that you're talking about without being able to defend effectively. And when you talked about, you know, his, you know, acclimatizing himself to North America, having to come in and play essentially like a season and a half or a season and a quarter in in Utica, those minutes in the American Hockey League are for a young defenseman are invaluable because you have to learn how to defend in small space. You have to defend, you have to be able to stop the cycle. You got to be able to defend the rush. And what, what I think is, is, is really fascinating about Namich is he's not a kid that, you know, he's not going to overpower you physically. That's just not his game, but he does have an ability to skate really well. He can defend skating forwards he will get you before you're a real threat, which I really love that about him. So he doesn't really wait for you to get the puck, get your speed up, and then try to play you. He he gets you as you're getting the puck. There's a lot of instances when, you know, before you even, like as you touch it, before you even figure out what you're doing, he's already come down on you. He has an excellent stick. Uh, but he beats you with angles, timing and stick position. And as he gets, you know, as he, you know, gets further into his twenties and plays, you know, 300 games in the league, he'll learn how to impose himself much more physically in times when he needs it. But for now he can drive results without being physically overwhelming. He can do it through these ideas of skating angles and timing. And I don't think that that can be discounted for a player coming in and being able to have the impact that he's having. Yeah. You, you see that I had in my notes, I really like the routes he takes off of the puck, right? Like you can see that in, in a lot of these clips where he's almost attacking you in, in their, in the devil's offensive zone, um, like at the dot sometimes. And, and you can even see it like a guy like Kutral, for example, he's sort of expecting to get a puck from his defenseman and kind of, as we talked about in his episode, kickstart the breakout right he's going to turn around and fling the puck up or carry it a few steps and then make a play into the middle of the ice and Nemitz doesn't really allow you to do that very often he's kind of attacking downhill in that in that way that we like to describe and so he's cutting you off and sometimes he'll poke it away and it'll sort of keep the offensive zone possession going but worst case it just forces you to make a play sooner than you probably want to right and and Kucherov can still make it work because he's such a special breed. But for a lot of NHL players, as talented as they are, if you rush them into making decisions, it's going to be kind of a low percentage play. They'll either just dump it out of the zone or potentially even ice the puck because they, they, they really panicked and shot it too hard. And so you're creating all of these subtly positive uh, plays that are advancing territorial play for the Devils. And so I really like those aggressive routes he takes in, in, in doing so, that kind of concept of, of surfing and all of that, right? Like, I, th I think you can really see that in his game and, and it's cool to see. Well, I think one of the interesting parts about that whole concept is that as he's playing and he's processing the game, one of the things that 
that really stands out as he's kind of gets you before it gets started is when you mentioned like rushing an NHL player and the effect that that has the issue with time and space with an NHL player is that they will make a much more dangerous play off that puck. What he does is you might, he might not rush you into a mistake or rush you into like a problem where you turn the puck over, but he's going to rush you into making a more conservative play, which then allows the devils or the team that you're playing on to be able to adjust to defend that next play. So you, you delay, he's delaying the danger and putting off the danger. And oftentimes like he's forcing, whether it be 50, 50 loose pucks, uh, whether it be just changes of possession that occur now in the neutral zone in, or he or he's able to kill the play in the offensive zone. So it, it's not so much that he's able to create transition that leads immediately to offense, even though he does do that. And I would consider him what I think is the next the next wave of defensemen that he part in part represents is transition defenders is basically what I think he is. It's not so much that he is constantly turning pucks over and and then getting right on the offense, which, like I said, he is doing that. It's more that he's able to control what you're able to do next and diminish and reduce the threat of what you're able to do because you don't have the time to be able to process to make that next play. You would have to then make another play to someone else to then make that play. That's the effect. And I think transition defenders, like I said, like, that's part of what they do really well. The other thing that is, I think he's exceptional at, which is also what I would say is a, a hallmark of these new, these, these defensemen, these transition defenders, they really excel on the weak side. So you'll notice that there's a lot of his transition plays, his best transition plays come from when he is defending the weak side of the ice, his gap, his anticipation of what's going to happen next, his ability to get on top of the next play, particularly when people are trying to break out and that weak side defense, weak side uh, forward is trying to sprint out of the zone. He gets right on top of him, maybe prevents the puck from coming to him. He can intercept that pass. Just his ability on the weak side is so key in defending the rush on a, on a rush where the pass is going to come. He eliminates the middle of the ice as an option. I mean, he just has that ability to defend the weak side, which is a, a, a big characteristic, I think, of these transition defenders because that's usually when they're uh, most effective in being able to create the next play that becomes dangerous or more effective for their own team. And you see that quite a bit, and I think where it's it's most effective for this Devils team is when he's sort of he's jumping that route in terms of like coming down the wall or keeping a puck alive in the offensive zone, right? Where like they're trying to rim it around or they're trying to get it to the weak side forward so he can make a play up the ice and he jumps that route and he keeps it alive. And the reason why I say that is because not only does it keep the puck in the zone, but he's already displayed an ability to use, like to leverage his offensive skill to stack a play on top of that right after he does it. Right. So like he'll come down the wall, knock a puck down or intercept it and then immediately pass it back into the slot for a one-timer for one of his forwards who's standing there. And we know that that's so difficult to defend for the other team because they're themselves already starting to transition up the ice themselves. Everyone's kind of discombobulated and out of position. And so you have these breaks in coverage, and they've scored a couple goals that way already where he would take a seemingly nothing play that uh, an inferior defender would probably just by default sag back on and allow the other team to get it out of the zone. 
and he jumps that, knocks it down, passes it in the middle, one-timer, boom, they score. And so seeing him sort of stack those plays, and it's like, it's tough to describe it. I guess we talk a lot about how hockey's so free-flowing and all of these things tie together, and you're constantly defending and attacking at the same time. I think that really encapsulates that, right? Because he's turning a potential transition or even defensive play into an offensive one within one or two seconds. And and that's really fun to watch. And I, that's what I think really kind of helps capture what the modern game is all about these days. It, it is. There's so much, you know, the transition game is so critical because you're in it more than you're in anything else. You're, you're in that transition phase most often. And, you know, one of the things also that's key is a lot of times support needs a little time to get to you. So for example, when you change sides with the puck, you change, you were, everybody was on one side. You've passed it to the guy who's on the other side, who's for a moment in time uh, on a bit of an Island from a support perspective, it's going to take some time for the other people on your team to reroute, get back involved and get over there. So absorb defensemen who see a puck go from one side to the other, the guys on an Island, the, the attacking forwards on an Island and you absorb the play. What you're doing is allowing time for the opponent to organize their support. And so now it's becoming a play against you with speed, time, timing, everything in the offensive players a favor. So when Nemitz is able to attack that play because the guy's on an island, he skates forwards, he pressures them, he reduces the amount of time that's available to the support. The support just doesn't get there. Now the guy doesn't have the same number of options. He's forced now to do all the options that you just suggested. He's got to push it forward, maybe get it in the zone. Maybe he ices it. Maybe he's got to turn back. Maybe he's got to try to buy time, but he's not threatening. It's not, he's not threatening. And that's the difference between kids like that. And it, these are kids now who can skate and they can defend skating forwards. And they're really effective at being able to move the puck after they get the transition. Like some of the passes this guy makes are phenomenal immediately like inside the first couple seconds of that transition he is putting you on the defensive right away and you're not really organized to do that and that's what i find so fascinating about this type of defender and i think that like i said i i think we're only going to see more and more and more of these types of kids coming into the league and i'm all about it well and why he's so becoming already just so invaluable for this devil's team and and you know part of this is i think something they're going to have to work on no team spends more time just generally in transition they do than they do like in terms of just spending time in the neutral zone in going in either direction back and forth right like mm -hmm. I, i've been harping on this all season but part of where they've regressed this year as a team is last year they went from being just a pure transition team themselves and a rush team into then stacking together offensive zone sequences and spending more time after that initial rush so they weren't so one and done and then leaving themselves so vulnerable right and this year they've all they went all the way back down to 24th in ozone time themselves but they also don't give up any ozone time to the opposition and that's because so much of the game that they play is just spent kind of going back and forth and when you're getting the level of goaltending they've gotten this season that certainly leaves you vulnerable you don't have that safety net to support you and so a guy like him the reason why we're sort of talking right off the bat about some of these more subtle skills 
is he helps extend offensive zone sequences for them by doing this. And I think more of that is exactly what they need. Like for all the concerns about their defensive play and defending off the rush and goaltending, one way to make sure you're not as exposed to that or vulnerable to it is just spending more time in the offensive zone, keeping the opposition pinned. And and he already does that really well. And I think this Devils team needs more of that, if anything. I couldn't agree more. I think where this Devils team is, is somewhat precluding to their overall development. And what I mean by that is the state of the goaltending uh, and the state of their game, their inability to really uh, understand and, and really take advantage of extending offensive zone sequences, what that does is it makes the coaching staff much more conservative. So they start talking a lot more about defending. They start caring about defending. It affects their pairings. I mean, if this team was flying along and all things being equal and the goaltending was was improved, they were maybe 10 to 12 points further up in the standings would they would they re, would they be as resistant as they are now to the Hughes Nemitz pairing i don't know that they would the Hughes Nemitz pairing feels event, uh, inevitable but because of the state of where they are they're not able to do that because your goaltending has left you feeling very vulnerable and any mistake that these guys make ends up could, could potentially end up in the back of the net because to our point before when we were talking about Philadelphia and their rush play, they, I thought, did an effective job. One of the reasons why they were so good was because they were able to not have a scoring chance for lead to a better scoring chance against. This is the Devils team, exactly what we're talking about. They're one and done a lot, and the scoring chance that they're trying to create offensively tends to be less effective than the one that they give up next because they're jumping D or, you know, if you have, I mean, Nemitz and Hughes, they could lead the rush themselves. They could be F1 and F2 on the rush. That's how, that's the type of players that they are, which leaves you feeling vulnerable for plays going back the other way. And I think that's where in the overall development of the devil's team, that for me has felt a little bit frustrating because I feel like it's inevitable that those two are going to end up playing together, much the same as what we were talking about with Harley playing with uh, with Haskinen. I think eventually that's what's going to happen. And and this is not to say that the development process that they're going through now by each of them playing, like you talked about, you know, playing on much like a shut shut down pair, that there's no value in that. Of course, there's value in that. And Hughes playing the role that he's playing, but it's just. It's just not the same as if you could move them together forward. So I think the state of the team makes it more conservative than maybe it might be had they not been moving along and solved a lot of these issues as it relates to turning the rush into actually extended offensive zone time because then they could take advantage of Nimitz and Hughes' ability to control the offensive zone exits which is where what we're really talking about, about modern day defending. Yeah. And, and the, the sport logic statistical profile that really, I think paints the picture that we're describing here, where like they're 26 in goals against this season. And, and obviously the, the goalies we discussed at, at nauseum, I think everyone gets it. Like they haven't been good enough, but the situation they're putting them in where they're 23rd in rush chances against they're 26th in inner zone slot shots, despite the fact, that they're only giving up the third fewest offensive zone time. And that's because other teams just don't have to 
spend shifts, right? It's that they're encouraging an environment where they're going back and forth. And that can have some, I think, detrimental sort of psychological impacts on the way a team plays, right? Because you get burned by it a couple of times, you're losing games, you're supposed to be winning. And then of course, you're going to kind of compensate for that. And I think that's what we're describing here where you don't really want to see that seep in, but it could be, it could be certainly tricky. And I don't know, I'm, I'm curious for your take on this because what I had noticed was he, Nemitz has spent about 23% of his five on five minutes playing with Nico Hishier this season. And he spent more than that with Jack Hughes. And the one thing I would say about that is like, obviously you're going to have him playing with their best players regardless, but I kind of almost like to see a guy like him play a bit more with his year because what you're seeing, like it's that concept we talk about with the abs, right? Where they had to learn over time how to play as a five man unit in terms of when Kale McCarr goes behind the net or pinches deep in the offensive zone, you've got Nathan McKinnon cycling back up and covering for him as a defenseman. And it has to be so innate that you're not seeing him go and then, and then realizing, oh, I should be going up there because by then it's already too late at times, right? You need to almost be moving at the exact same time. As soon as the defenseman is going down, you're already working your way up and it's kind of just this free-flowing five-man attack. And I think his year right now at this point of his career, because of that Barkov type of like internal clock that he has of risk management and sometimes trading a bit of offense to get back in good position and stay above the puck defensively is a little bit better suited than, than a Jack Hughes, who's going to be pushing just naturally more for offense and being more aggressive deep in the zone. And so sometimes Nemitz can get a little bit caught deep himself and that can also sort of expedite a lot of these problems. And I think a lot of that might be ironed out by just getting him a bit more usage with an ego his year where all of a sudden now he can just fully embrace that role without worrying about someone being back covering for him. So what you're describing is the ability to insulate his instincts. That's what you're saying. You're trying to insulate his instincts and allow him to play in a much more instinctual way and trust his instincts. When you're, when you're being protected uh, through the, through the ability of your center, like Hishir, who is going to err on the side of caution more often than not, he'll be coming back through the middle of the ice. He can pick up his check, and he's responsible for those. He'll play higher in the zone, and that'll allow uh, someone like Nimitz to put himself in a spot where he can play with a lot more instinct. To the degree that he's not able to play with as much of that instinct, is the degree in which he's uncomfortable that he is protected. And so this is where it's all convoluted because, and not convoluted, it's actually very clear. The goaltending situation is what it is. Puts coaching staff into a much more conservative place. They're probably talking a lot more about defending than they probably would love to. And on uh, the way in which the lines are set up as it relates to the D pairings and the way in which they play in the offensive zone, all causes players, especially young players, to all of a sudden start to, you know, double check or, you know, make sure. And all these things, like you're using all these adjectives to describe them just tr- not playing as instinctual. They're, they're checking, double checking, making sure. And so those lead to hesitations or more conservative play. So, the best part about Nimitz is when he first comes in the league, he's on fire. Like he's he was outstanding. His first five to ten games in the league, he I thought he was unbelievable. 
And I've said this before. I think you get a real glimpse of a player, a better glimpse of a player, what's really true in their first few games in the NHL, which oftentimes that's kind of discounted. Well, God's first game in the NHL, like let them get going. In my mind, that's one of the best evaluation tools because that's the time in which he's going to play most instinctual. And then as the season goes along, you're getting you know the environment of the team, the state of the team, the defense partner, the way that they're talking to you, the environment that's going on in terms of how much you're winning and losing, the way you're being coached, the the threat of a firing or like you know there's all this swirling of what's going to happen in New Jersey, those that creates conservative environment. And the problem with a conservative environment in that sense is that kids like a Nemitz or a Hughes. They start to not play as instinctual. They start getting coached, and then that coaching leads to evaluation in their mind. So you don't always see the best of what they're doing. The fact that he and Hughes, for that matter, have been able to kind of keep it going uh, for this long under this duress leads me to believe that they have the chops to really be high-end defensemen in this league. And that's what I'm most excited about to be able to still play with so much of this instinct under this, uh, under the, in this environment, which is very hostile at the moment and tenuous as to what's going to happen. I, I just love that because these are the things you start to see with young defensemen, which makes it more tough. Cause once they start checking, double checking, little hesitation here, little hesitation there, you start backing up, you start back. That's when you run into trouble. And that's something to monitor with a young player like a Nemitz. Yeah, because you can really, I want him being true to himself, right? Because I think you made a great point there. Like what he is, is special. And I want to tap into that as often as possible without the second guessing, the thinking, the getting yourself caught in that middle ground where you're awkwardly figuring out if you have that support looking behind you and then, and then you're a step late and you didn't accomplish anything. And then you're caught in no man's land, right? Like he's so special in, in, you want you you see that like he wants to get even more involved than he's already been. There's a number of instances as we're gonna watch his offensive zone clips here where like he'll realize that the puck's on the wall on uh, and he's on the weak side and he's just waiting for a hit the guy uh, the forward who's up near him to turn his head so that he can sprint down to the net and make himself available as an option or then work a rebound and just be down there. And that's great because they have a lot of forwards who are very adept at making those high skill level cross seam passes east west, right? Whether it's a Hughes or a Brad or a Hisher, like they have a lot of guys who could do that. But if he does it a couple times and the puck's turned over or someone didn't go back and support him and then they give up a goal against off the rush, his coach is going to be mad at him. It's going to look ugly on the stat sheet. And then that's naturally going to force him to maybe adjust. And that's what we want to fight against, right? So I think. That's really important because those like little instances of brilliance that he shows when he times and jumps and activate activates down low and just moves off of the blue line. I want to see that as often as possible. And and they need to create an environment where that's encouraged and not like doubted or or sort of frowned upon because it's not working for them. Yeah. The word that stands out for me with players like this is the better they play, the more connected they are to the play. And what we're talking about when you start to have hesitations or any type of like playing a little bit more conservative or you're caring a lot more about certain aspects of your game, you start thinking about these things and not just playing 
as instinctual as we would like him to play, what that's the that's the impact. The impact is is that they end up starting to get disconnected from the play, and we want a player like him to stay as connected and in the play as possible so that he can make those reads and he's close enough that when he does see the read that he's able to activate on that read to your point he's waiting for that defense that defensive forward to turn his head or and the environment you know the play starts to materialize he reads the exact right moment, but he's close enough that he just takes a jump down or you see him. He's already kind of half sliding down like ever so slowly. He's positioning himself into a better position to pounce. And then he pounces at just the right time. You don't do that when you're not feeling protected and comfortable. And that's what you want to try to protect with a young defenseman like this is you're trying to protect the preserve the length of time in which he can play with the most amount of instinctual value. And the way you do that is you create the protections and then you also um, keep him connected and encourage connectivity to the play and not encourage disconnect, like disconnecting or falling out of the play for the purpose of trying to, you know, defend the next two on one to come in your way or the next three on two with, you know, and you got a, only a back checker coming because your partner's not there. All these other, all these factors that weigh into it. I think that that's a really interesting piece as it relates to the development of D. The good news is you have Nimitz and you have Hughes there, two really young cornerstone franchise caliber defensemen who are basically also, they are, which a key part of it is they are also salary controlled for a while. And you, you're trying to advance their development, but at the same time, the, t- the team is under fire. It's a really fascinating part of where they are as a, as a franchise right now. And it'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, if, if those two players can continue to push the, the, their own development, even at a time where it's hostile and you would really, you would think that there's going to be a lot more, encouragement to be more conservative especially as you know their threat of changing jobs continues to to swirl around in uh in new jersey all right gerald this is a good spot for us to put a pin in our conversation so let's take our break now and then when we come back we'll pick things right back up and keep chatting about shimon nemitz you are listening to the hockey pdo cast streaming on the sportsnet radio network We're back here on the Hockey PDO cast, joined by Daryl Belfry today as we do our deep dive of young Devils defenseman Shimon Nemitz. Well, you know what's really impressed me about Nemitz's game as we transition to the, the offensive part of thing in the offensive zone? We talked a little bit about his movement there, but it's the maturity of his game when he's working the top of the zone and when he's kind of quarterbacking at the top of the umbrella, and in particular in the power play because, you know, initially, obviously, he was in the AHL to start the season. Dougie Hamilton is working the top power play unit. And Luke Hughes gets the majority of that, so we don't necessarily get to see him that much with the top unit. But when he's out there, and even at five on five, I love how he hit he, what he's trying to accomplish there because you can see time and time again, like he'll shoot it if the lane is there just to keep you honest, and you know, then good things can happen off of tips and rebounds and all of that. And I'm sure he's going to score a certain level of goals just because of how skilled he is. But I love like his intentions are he wants to suck in that top forward as close to him as possible. And, and really sell the shot so that he can pass it off for a forward to take a more dangerous shot closer at a better angle off of one time, right? And 
I love what he's been accomplishing doing that and how smooth it is. Obviously, he's got the passing ability and skill as a passer to actually execute it. But I just think like the way he sees and feels the game in that regard is already so sophisticated because sometimes you can see young defenders come into the game, especially if they're the last guy back of the blue line. You know, they're worried about turning the puck over or doing anything too crazy and, and really getting singled out for it. So they'll make very like safe plays. They'll just kind of pass it off. They'll bump it to their partner or or they'll just work it down. With him, like you can tell he's comfortable holding on to the puck, sucking in the defender, and then passing, passing it off and creating a high danger opportunity for a teammate. And I just love that. Like that's what I want to see from my defenseman at the top of the umbrella. I want to see him using that time and space to make to improve the conditions for their teammates and turn a good shot into a great shot. And he's already doing that very efficiently. Yeah, what you're talking about to me is also a, a, a hallmark characteristic of a of a of a number one or an elite level defenseman, which is the ability to beat F1 in all three zones. So whether you're in the defensive zone, you can make a pass that beats F1, or you can find a way to manage uh manage pressure that that beats or traps F1, puts your team at a at a numerical advantage or an advantage. In the neutral zone, the same thing. He gets the puck in the neutral zone and he's constantly trapping or beating F1. And then now what you're talking about is the offensive zone, which is when you're talking about improving the conditions and advancing the puck into areas that are dangerous, what you're talking about is the ability to beat F1. The primary defensive forward who is on him, he he actively does things to manipulate that player in a way in which he can beat him. He can pass to the interior. There's lots of times he'll fake a pass and then he'll pass it um, to one of the flanks to one of the flanks, but it's done in a way in which he's trapping people and making a play for someone else that is now dangerous. That's an attitude and a habit of beating F1 consistently and that I, in my mind, in an evaluation or a projection of a, can this defenseman be a franchise number one type defenseman, the ability to beat F1 in all three zones is one of the things that I would look for. And he does it in spades. He does it all the time. And I, I also love, you know, we talk about his ability to skate forwards and his skating in general, and he has an outstanding ability to move laterally and he can pass inside of movement. And that is another, I think, great characteristic. He, he does a great job managing space, but it's because of his ability to move. And I think that's another really key distinction of why he's so effective in the offensive zone and in creating some of these really interesting plays that he's able to do. You know, hockey can be a very like random and chaotic game with the puck balancing and wild things happening on the ice. But the NHL is is so competitive and so by design in so many ways in terms of preparation and just how good the players are and how prepared they are for everything. The things rarely happen by accident. And what I mean by that is generally if someone is open in a situation, it's usually on purpose like it's by design they're there for a reason and the other team is comfortable with it and so it's one mm -hmm. thing to just have the puck as a defenseman and pass it to a guy that's open because they're probably you're giving it to them but then it's up to them to do something and they might not be in a position to do anything that impactful what he's doing is he's 
getting his guys open is what we're saying, right? Like he is yes. forcing the defense to come to him, whether it's on the breakout and passing it off to his partner and, ta- and beating that F1 or whether it's in the offensive zone and setting up a, a sh- shot off the flank. And so he's turning a situation where a guy was previously covered. He's forcing the defense to adjust and then he's getting it to him. And I think that's why like you look 12 of his 14 assists so far, a primary according to Corey Schneider's tracking, he's already in like the 80th percentile in the league in scoring chance assists. Like he's, legitimately driving offensive results and underlying impacts and the reason why he's doing that is because of these concepts we're talking about and so i think that's that's super high level because i think that's an important distinction for a defenseman it's one thing to just make a simple little pass to a guy that's open and and there's certainly a time and place for that like sometimes just take what the other team gives you but he's almost like he's working on a higher wavelength where he's trying to create stuff that isn't even there initially once he gets the puck yes he can see it differently and then he manifests it by his movement, the way in which he manipulates the player and his timing, his use of space. That's what you're talking about, about that next level ability to be able to manufacture uh, offensive chances and his ability to beat F1 consistently. The other thing that I think really separates him and I think is one of the things I, I'm really excited about is I think this guy can really shoot the puck off the pass which is a a great skill to have for anybody, but for a defenseman up at the top, if you can shoot it hard off the pass and it's dangerous and it can get through, which he's shown an ability to do that. He's created a lot of goals. Doesn't score necessarily himself off that play, but he creates dangerous second chance opportunities for others because of his ability to shoot off the pass. That only accentuates everything else that we're talking about. When he's at the offensive blue line, if he can shoot it off the pass, that changes how you defend him. And now, because you have to defend him so honestly, because you're concerned about his shot off the pass, and when I mean honestly, I mean, like, you're not not choosing to be in the shot lane. You're going to be in the shot lane every time as a defensive forward. It's more the spacing that you're going to give him, the time, uh, how long or how early you're going to get in that shot lane because someone who shoots well off the pass, they don't stand in that space. They're sliding or fading away slightly to continue to improve that shot lane. You as a defensive forward, you're now having to move with him. So he's drawing you because he's the, the threat of the one-timer. You're already having to maintain that, that make sure you're in the shot lane the whole time because if he gets that puck, he's going to be able to shoot it and it's dangerous. So that changes the impact is now if he gets it, he fakes that shot, he has you now moving laterally. Now he can then come off your heels and open up other opportunities. So he's naturally beating you as an F1 just by forcing you to honor his threat of the one-timer, which I think is uh, that's what gets you even more excited about his, the possibilities that he has as a, as a, as a really a premier offensive generating defenseman. Well, and when you were talking about this earlier about this idea of this brave new world and exciting future of where him and Luke Hughes are playing together and it's really just, everything we talk about this sort of the five man game and how defensemen are playing off each other. I think part of what encourages me about that or, or, or makes me think it really could work down the line is I think their skill sets are complementary in terms of what they're more comfortable beating you with, at least at this point, I'm sure both guys are going to evolve as they get into their mid twenties. But right now I think Nemitz is, is he's kind of like looking to 
create a play for another in a way and sort of pass the puck off or, or, or sort of uh, lure you in and then pass it off into space where Hughes and I don't blame him for this because if I could move half as well or a tenth as well as he would, I would be doing this all the time as well. But he wants to like he wants to use that biggest strength of his to create a play with his with his feet, right? And so I think those two guys playing off of each other, it's not necessarily two young skilled defensemen where they both have to do the same thing to be effective. I think in this case, they actually could work because Sen Nemitz can defer a bit more and, and allow him to sort of skate around more. And then all of a sudden he'll be doing the other stuff to sort of fill in the gaps. And so it actually makes sense in that regard. Because sometimes it's not as simple as, all right, just put together your two best young defensemen together. They're skilled. They'll figure it out. They might. But in this case, I think it actually, there's some higher level credence to it. I I certainly, when I watch the two of them, I see a pair that for sure I would, I'd be, it would be very hard for me not to want to see that uh, as early as you can uh, for all the reasons that, that you've given. I mean, um, the way Luke Hughes moves, uh, he, you know, the, his ability to beat F1 with his feet where Nemitz does it more, most often off the pass. You're uh, the, the left, right combination. Both of the guys can shoot it off the pass. They can switch in the offensive zone. So they're both on their off wing side and be very dangerous that way. Um, I see two guys that just uh, have an ability to be able to do a variety of different things. And we haven't even talked about uh, Hughes is so fast, as well as Nimitz has that ability to skate forwards defending. I think that they could fast forward the, 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 the need for New Jersey to figure out a consistent heavier offensive zone game that allows them to control the that side of the ice like get the puck on the on that side of the ice and kind of keep them there and be able to to hold the puck there continue to generate chances but win the puck back and sustain sustained pressure uh, i think that the way these two guys play they have all the makings of a defense pair that could really control the opposition's exit and really put you in a spot where you could, you could, you could control that half of the ice and play a really good half ice game, which they don't currently show uh, as much of, which is in my mind, the biggest Achilles heel that they have as a, as a team is they just can't sustain the offensive zone time and they get into these track meet situations without the goaltending to support it. Yeah. No, I, certainly. I, I think that and that's what kind of impresses me so much about Nemitz's game is already, like I, I mentioned kind of this idea of filling in the gaps and how that would work, but you just you just see it. And, and let's talk a little bit about the breakouts and kind of the transition here, because I think you see it there quite a bit. Like he's certainly showing times. I mean, we flashed that, that video earlier where he takes the puck behind his own net and he just skates up the ice, eludes a couple guys, dances Adam Larson, who's a very good defender in his own right, and gets a scoring chance off of it. Like, he's got that in his bag. I think he can do that if you give him the time and space to do so. But he's also very comfortable making the the subtler play to help a teammate out by going back, being the initial retriever, passing it off to a partner, beating F1 with a pass, and then skating up the middle of the ice almost as a second center or, or as the weak side defender and joining the rush that way. And the reason why I think that's important is while I love a lot of the players as Devils team has, there's a bit of um, 
a concentration of talent in that regard, right? I think that's where a guy like Timo Meyer has struggled a little bit in adapting to playing in New Jersey to go along with like playing on his off wing and the injuries and all that. It's he came from a place where every time he got the puck, he was basically allowed to just bully ball it up the ice, put his shoulder down and attack the net as the primary puck carrier. And he obviously was very productive doing so. And I'm sure he enjoyed doing that greatly. Now he comes to a team where if he's on the ice, a Jack Hughes is out there, a Jesper Brad is out there. And guess what? They're just better at that than he is. And so now he has to figure out a way to play off of the puck and, and contribute in different ways. And for a player who's 28 years old or whatever he is and has already been in the league and been as successful as he has, that's a really tough adjustment at that point of their career. And I have no worries, obviously, a different position, but a guy like Nemitz is just able to play in that environment off of the puck in a way as well where he doesn't have to be the one carrying it and lugging it up himself and doing all the heavy lifting. He can defer to those guys and still make an impact off of the puck. And that's a massive skill for a team that's sort of composed the way this devil's team is up front. Uh, you, you couldn't have, you couldn't have articulated any better. I was thinking about, you know, the pairing of like a potential pairing with Hughes and Hughes is very much a strong, a very much a strong side defender. He, he's going to take, going to take the puck from you. He's going to keep the puck on his stick and he's going to beat F1 with his feet as often as he can, where Nimitz, I think is much more of that. Like to your point, he's so much more effective as the weak side defender, even though he does have all this, uh, he does have offensive talent where he can do some of the same things. And that's not also to say that Hughes can't play off the puck because he does it also very effectively. It's just what they're more inclined to do or where their skill set is best. That's the thing with 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 Nemitz that really stands out for me is his ability on the uh, playing on the weak side both defensively and offensively in all three zones is really impressive for a kid his age and for any age really and it's amazing to see the way in which he which he does it and you see it in transition because there's so often he's he's stealing the puck and then making that interior pass like to the middle of the ice to somebody skating onto it with speed. He does it over and over and over again. He's a guy who can facilitate um, the movement of the puck, but he makes the, you know, when I was talking about before I was, I was talking about like the ability to like delay the dangerous puck, right? Well, he has the ability to make that dangerous pass right away. So he can steal the puck and boom, it's already into the middle of the ice with a guy with speed or boom, it's already a cross ice pass to a guy who's flying, who can take the corner or he finds the two on one on the entry because he's able to make a play and he, he finds that he, he is passing ability is outstanding and he's able to make the next play in a dangerous play that, that sets the table for other people. And like the transition game that he has to me, that's what is most impressive is, is that ability to just make that quick play. And that's what we see in your clips over and over and over again. He makes the, makes the steal. And next thing you know, boom, it's up there. And he's making that next play that uh, sets the table for a two on one on the entry or speed or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, that type of guy is so valuable and it, it, it represents so much of where this game is going offensively because rush like we normally have thought about the rush is so hard to create now. Like it's to, in the playoffs, 
try to create a rush consistently where you're going to get odd man situations. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to do. So you have to find different ways to be able to create the rush. I always talk about re-entry because I know that the offensive zone and being able to kill the exit and force you into a chip out so that we can get it and turn it back in. That's a way of creating another type of rush. This is what I'm talking about with Nemitz. He's able to create a different rush. He can do it in transition. You think you're on offense. Next thing you know, he's over, over there on the weak side. He's on a weak side fold. He steals the puck or he's on a, he's on a, uh, you try to pass it across and he's, his gap is so good. He intercepts the pass. He does all these things that, and then he makes that next play that boom, they're in transition. They're going the other way. That's kind of how you're going to have to create that offense. And he's a going to be a big part of that. Um, and l- in last year's playoffs, I think that's what really exposed the devils is they couldn't get that offensive rush game going to the point where they could overwhelm like they had done in the, in the regular season. And they only kind of had that one way where they come literally 200 feet to do it. This guy, he represents an ability to do it a little different and create a rush chance out of something that was didn't look like it was going to be a positive for you before two seconds ago, and now you're on a two-on-one on an entry. That's what's cool yeah, about you, this kid. You really see that on those neutral zone, like re-entries and the reloads, right? Like, depending on who he's on the ice with, he's either a pace setter in terms of like he'll speed them up, or if he's already out there with Jack Hughes, he's an enabler because he will allow them to play the way they want to play because he'll get the puck back for them and then immediately, boom, they're off and running. And that's a very important skill. And I think there's, it's no coincidence that he's been already successful as he has. And I can't wait to watch more of him as this season goes along and into the future of his career. Uh, Daryl, this was a blast. I'm really glad we got to do Nemitz. This was a, a really fun one with a lot of uh, interesting concepts that I think we we hint at and kind of talk tangentially about a lot and got to put them all together talking about him. So that was really fun. Hopefully, Devils fans enjoyed that, and we'll be back soon with you. Everyone go check out Belfry Hockey. Uh, We'll be back soon with more of the Hockey PDO cast, as always, streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.